Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 19 of the Flight Deck Podcast. It's your host, TK, joined by my guys, my boys, Mr. Matthew Freeze and Mr. Omari Brown. What's up, fellas? What's going on? What's going on? Glad to be back. What's going on? What's going on? Got some uh, nice OTA news to talk about. Uh, kind of kind of a low time in the NFL as a whole, but yeah, we're going to get into uh, some, uh, some stuff, man. Yeah. You know, this is... Uh, this is, like you said, probably the slowest time of the year, man. Um, everybody's just catching a breather now. You you know, you got some OTAs going on, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but outside of that, man, there's not much news going on. Not many cuts, not many trades. A uh, couple of signings, we'll talk about that as well. But uh, we're going to kick things off, man. The Jets quietly, quietly. Brought in Morgan Moses um, on a visit, man. You know, the former right tackle of the Washington Redskins who was released uh, a little while back. Um, possibly for cap reasons is my only uh, thought process in the net. But he was brought in and nothing, you know, materialized from it thus far. But anything can happen. So my question to you guys is, would you take him? Do you want him or? How do you feel about it? Um, I would take him on a on obviously a team friendly deal, considering you know uh, we don't know what he's asking for. I'm not aware of what his salary was last year with the uh, Washington Football Team, but you know it, it kind of goes back to what Salah was saying. You know, competition breeds improvement. So you bring in a guy, and and he, for you know all intents and purposes, Morgan Moses would probably come in and, and compete with with Fant on the right side. I, I mean, Beckton's what he is, so. You know, uh, yeah, I, I would bring him in on a, on a one-year veteran deal, whatever that would entail. I don't, I don't see giving this guy $10, $12 million a year. But, yeah, you bring him in, you, you kind of let the best man win at the right tackle position and uh, go from there, I guess. Not, not really much to say on him. Yeah, I think I, I would like to move because just like you said, competition breeds improvement. And I think with this team right now, with the new regime, a uh, new philosophy, they're probably going to be run heavy. So Morgan, uh, Morgan Moses graded well against the run. Uh, left a little bit to be desired in the past because I, th- I think we went over it last week. He gave up 41 pressures. So I don't think that's what you really want from your starting right tackle, especially with a rookie quarterback who's, well, you know, intents and purposes is going to be a franchise. Uh, I like it just to maybe light a fire on the fans' ass or maybe, um, you know, maybe Morgan Moses could be worked out as as guard. I think that guard spot is going to be the weakest spot on the team. And I think that, you know, it's a lot. some athletic tackles are good enough to kick inside and, and some of them improve. Morgan Moses is a, is a mauler in the run game, though. Uh, he's ranked in the top uh, – he's ranked in the top 20th in the NFL in, in run grading. Uh, what I checked in. So I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's good to kick the tires. I like that they're kicking the tires and that, and that, that they're not really done. So I would bring it in depending because I believe fan is making $9 million a year. So I think that if Morgan Moses would take like a one year, $5 million deal and he outplays, he outplays uh, George Fant, you know, you save $4 million and then that's money that goes towards Marcus May. So I think I'm never going to be opposed to, to bringing in somebody that could potentially increase the talent of the team as a whole. Yeah. Um, so you guys, you know, you, you made some valid points. There is some good to bring them in. Uh, I, I will say that, and, and I just looked it up. They cut him strictly for a cost measure. Um, they saved almost $8 million in cap. And, you know, with them drafting uh, 
Oh man, they, they drafted Sam Cosme, I believe, and, and someone else. So he became, you know, indispensable in, in Washington. Um he had he did come off of his arguably his best year uh as a pro, and he's very dependable, had missed a game since 2015. But and you know, there's always a but, like you said, Amari, the 41, you know, hurries. That bothers me. Uh, the fact that he was uh, oh, right. highly penalized, you know, that bothers me. Um, it, it he gave up uh, six or seven sacks, I believe. And, and, and again, with a rookie quarterback, that's really not something you want to see. But I, I do think that they could, you know, scheme around that to help the right tackle. But you really don't want them scheming to help you, you the tackle. You want them scheming to help the quarterback, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if they, if they do sign him, I wouldn't be mad about it. I honestly think Fant will, will be better than him, you know, in, in the past game, but if they're running the ball and plan to be run heavy to help the quarterback, then he will get the job done. So. Yeah. And quickly, just to touch on one more thing. I know you said he was highly penalized. You know, I think George Fant was actually, I think he only gave up two penalties last year. I could be mistaken. He was one of the least penalized guys in the NFL at right tackle. So if you bring in a guy who's highly penalized, I'm not saying every year it's going to be the same thing, but typically when you have a penalty issue, it doesn't always get better. It usually stays roughly the same, you know, up or down a few every couple, uh, you know, every year or so. But I mean, like you guys said, you bring him in on, on a one year, $5 million deal. You let him compete at right tackle. And, and you don't even know, because I, I'm not entirely sure what the football team, you know, what offensive scheme they run. Do they run a zone zone running scheme or not? But maybe he fits better in, in LaFleur's offense than he, he did in, in, in Washington. So, you know, it remains to be seen. I'm, I'm happy that they brought him in just, you know, to, to kick the tires and give him a look. But I guess we'll, uh, we'll wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, there, there were times where the football team, their, their offense was – that team is basically carried and powered by that defense, especially that defensive line, because they've got some studs over there. There were there were times where that offense wasn't looking really good. So, I mean, I, I to be honest, I didn't watch any of their games, so I really can't tell you. I can't attest to what they were doing. I, I don't know if they were dropping back, but I know that they had shoddy QB play. I know they had Haskins in there. They had Alex Smith in there. And there were some games – there were some ugly games in there. So maybe – because I know that with this West Coast system, they're going to be getting rid of the ball quickly. Maybe they can mask some of his deficiencies, just like you said. So I, I always think, I don't know, if you could save a little bit of money or maybe even kick him inside, I think that that's just something that you just have to explore. So. Hey, he's a big dude, too. He's like 6'6", 330. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a big boy. You look at him, like, he, he has a thick lower half. Like, he's, yeah, he, he's all butt, thighs, and hips. So he's definitely, uh, he's definitely moving. He's a people mover. Yeah, um, like I mean, I, you know, th- th- that would be a very huge offensive line. Let's just say you, you know, you get him and you kick him inside, and, and it works. You know, you you looking at like some monsters with with him, and you know they keep fat and and like Elijah Vera Tucker might be the smallest dude on the line. He's like six four, three fifteen or something like that, which is just insane. Uh, and and they they're all you know athletic, very athletic for big guys. Like that, that could be a real difference maker, man. Um, but like one of you just said, I, I'm glad that they're doing the due diligence, doing the homework, you know, kicking every tire out there and, and leaving no stone unturned. Because when you have a bad roster and you trying to turn that son of a bitch over, you got to do what you got to do to get it right. So 
I applaud them for that. Yeah, I mean, and it just goes to show that they don't think that the offensive line is done, which I which I don't believe is done either. I still think that there's there's still concerns. <laughs> to be honest, I just I still feel like there's concerns all throughout the line. You know, if we're being optimistic, you know, like I said last week, I think, you know, we think that left side is solidified, but almost every single spot has a question on this on this line. So I and 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 that's good. That's good. I'm glad that he's not just settling with what he with what he has because you saw how quickly things can go bad. You know, the, the Jets have won Makai Becton, you know, injury away from that uh, that line being in shambles. So so I, I love it. I love it. And then, you know, just to as we can segue right into it, they're really not done because they signed Ronald Blair to a to a one year deal. So what did you guys think about the Ronald Blair signing? So Ronald Blair is the uh so he's he's a defensive lineman. He's played some D tackle, he's played some D line. He's uh I believe he was a sixth round or a fifth round pick. Back in 2016 with the 49ers, and uh, he really carved out a nice little um, niche or or role for himself with Robert Sala's defense. So Sala brings over a guy that can kick inside and rush from the three technique, and he can rush from the edges too. So I like this deal. Um, TK, how do you feel about it? The one thing I do like about it is that the familiarity, you know, um, I I do like that Saul is bringing in guys that he's had before and he's not like doing it in an overbearing type of way. And he's not doing it with just guys who, who can't produce. Like they, they've shown that they're worth, you know, uh, Blair is a proven pass rusher, man. Um, he's, he's been in the league five years. He has almost 14 sacks and he would have had more if not for lost time due to injury and uh, things like that. But, you know, his best year came back in, in 2018, I believe. He had uh, 14 quarterback hits, 10 tackles for losses, five and a half sacks. So he can get after it. And, you know, in a defense like this where having a solid rotation is the key to winning games, you, you know, you get late in that fourth quarter, you want to have guys fresh. That's how the Giants did it, you know, with, with Michael Strahan and, and Pierre Paul and uh, O.C. and all of them, you know, running that NASCAR defense. They had guys that constantly coming at you all game. So I like the signing, man. And, and you know, more competition, the better. It, it's, only, it's only going to make that, that unit even better. So I'm with it. Yeah, I I also like it. I don't think you can add enough add enough depth to to especially a position like the defensive line and, and, and edge rushers because you just need it. Like you guys said, when you when your team's wearing down in the third fourth quarter, you know you want to have fresh bodies, fresh guys that can come in and, and still make a difference. And, and and the bright side of this also is he's only twenty eight years old. He's not he and another bright side to this. And I know you rattled off some of the stats. His best year in 2018 was 2018. He was 25 years old, had five and a half sacks, like you said, but he started zero games that, that year. He didn't have a start. He started two games in his career and has 13 and a half sacks as a rotational piece with the, with the Niners. So I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a day one starter opposite Lawson or anything like that, but you can certainly carve out a role for him because there's been production there granted the limited playing time along the defensive line, especially in, and you know, there's, there's, justification for why he wouldn't get playing time with the Niners because their defensive line at one point had what three pro bowlers on it so don't get me wrong I understand you know the playing type stuff and I know he missed 2020 I, I'm not was it due to injury I'm not entirely sure but 
you know, yeah. regardless, uh, he's only 28 years old, 6'4", 270. So, so he, he has a good frame for, for that outside, can move inside a little bit. And, yeah, so I, I think you can carve out a role for this guy. I mean, 88 combined tackles, 59 solo tackles in, in four years on two games started. So there, there's something there. And, and if Salah is everything he's hyped, you know, hyped up to be and, and he's really good with the defense and, and turning some of these players into the players that are, you know, a la Fred Warner at the middle linebacker position – you, maybe you can get something, get something out of him. Yeah, he missed all of last year with the ACL. He was he had a setback too, so that was the the real reason that you don't really see any of his stats improve over over last year. I actually thought that he opted out. But the good thing is, is that he's had success in this role, and he doesn't have to come here. He doesn't have to be a starter. So I think that if he if he can give you if he can give the Jets what, 20, 20 to 25 snaps a game just to give Lawson a breather, or maybe he's working in a rotation with Vinny Curry. I think. And I, honestly, I think that maybe Franklin Myers or maybe we'll see like an overset to where maybe, um, you know, Jonathan Franklin Myers or Kyle Phillips is, is the starting DN. And then you have Vinnie Curry and you have Ronald Blair as the, as the, uh, as the number twos. Because in this league now, almost every good team, they're, they're too deep at yeah. every good line position. They're, well, they're too deep at every edge rush position. And you're going to need those guys. So I think it's very important to bring guys in for the role that they're going to play that have already been successful in that role. And he knows what's expected of him from Robert Sala's uh, defense. And he can kind of be that voice to, to you know, to relay that message to the young guys. So I think that is very important uh, that they do this. But another thing that this signing does or says to me is that they're bringing in, they're bringing in, like, uh, they're bringing in backups to uh, positions that are already a strength. I think, I don't, I really don't see. I know this is going to make some people mad. I don't think that they're going to bring in a veteran corner unless their corners are literally like terrible and they can't stop anybody because they really want their young guys to get snaps. Robert Sal, I don't know if you guys heard his press conference. He said he doesn't want, he doesn't want a veteran in there to take, to take away snaps from the young guys right there. Mm-hmm. So these guys that he's, that he's bringing in, they're not going to take snaps from the young guys. These guys aren't going to take snaps from, let's say if Bryce Huff steps up, let's say if JFM is still doing his thing. Let's say if Kyle Phillips comes back, they're not going to take snaps from any of these guys. You know that they're not going to he- they're not going to take snaps from Carl Lawson. So I think that these moves, you're kind of starting to see that the Jets really want to see what they have, and I think that they're going to be okay with the growing pains for, with the cornerback position. Yeah, I, I I agree. I also I think in that same interview where he did say he doesn't want to take snaps away from the younger guys, he also did say that they're not opposed to bringing in a veteran you know, later down the line. I mean, obviously there's going to be cuts and stuff like that and cap casualties and stuff like that. And, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, we've seen throughout this whole offseason that players gravitate towards Salah. There are players that, that have openly said, like, I came here because of Salah, or I, they were, they were the first place I want to go because of Salah. So after those cuts during the, you know, during the, the training camps and whatever, after those cap casualties, we could see a move be, be made. I, I, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I don't see it as, as likely that we don't bring in a, a, a veteran presence at corner. I, I just don't see it. But as far as the edge and, and the, uh, across the defensive line, I think we're kind of, I think the Blair signing was probably the, the end of a lot of the, the work on that, that positional group. Um, I also think it's important to note, you know, since we were talking about edge, I, I think earlier last week, I believe, uh, Tyrus actually sent over a, uh, a PFF thing, or I forget exactly what it was, but we had four of the four of the top ranking thirty out of thirty two across the defensive line, something to that effect. Um, and I, I think it's perfectly likely that we're, we can see that again. If not, you know, get another guy in there. I think John Fra- John Franklin Myers is going to find himself in a in 
a more of a starting role, if I have to be honest with Vinny Curry and, and Blair being more of, you know, rotational pieces. Yeah. Um, man, to what you were saying, Amari, about the cornerback position, I, I think, and, and, you know, I, I could be wrong. I, I've been known to do that. But uh, I think that they are pretty much betting the house on the front, creating, you know, havoc and, and creating issues to protect that that back end to allow those kids to, to get those, you know, snaps, in-game snaps and things like that. Now, there will be cuts, like you said, Matt, there will be cap casualties and, and things of that nature. I, I do still think they'll bring somebody in. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if, 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 if Poole decided to, to resign, like that wouldn't shock me at all. Um, I, I know you, you like him over Gidry Amari. So I know you, you know, probably wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Um, but, you know, we have Michael Carter, the second, you know, we have Pinnock. I, I just, you know, I, I I'm going to take him at his word as far as, um, you know, the younger guys getting snaps and, and hope that, you know, it pans out. I think our number one would be Hall. You know, the things that I've read on Bless thus far in the, you know, OTAs hadn't been that good. So I don't know, man. It, it, they, they might be pressured into bringing more people in, you know, if it looks, if it gets worse than what I've seen thus far. Bless is a fourth corner. Is that that's pretty much all it is. In dime package, I think that Bless is a fourth. He's a fourth corner. He's he's he has good size. He's fast, but <clears throat> you know he's he's not afraid. He's physical. He's not afraid to put his head in there. But Bless to me is not is no more than than depth and and a fourth corner. I think you could clearly see. I think Michael Carter. I think Michael Car. I think Michael Carter and Ashton Davis are going to have the most snaps at the nickel this year, and I think that. Um, I think that either Pinnock, I, I I could I could easily see Pinnock Pinnock being the, the the number two guy. I just think that he's long. He he's really good in man. He gets his hands on the ball. He had one of the highest uh, man coverage ratings in the nation last year. I could clearly see him 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 being that being that number two corner. And, and you're right. And maybe you know giving him help over the top and maybe just teaching him the trail technique and just you know just staying deep within the deepest. You know they'll give up everything in front of him, hoping that the pass rush should get there. I just, I just don't see, because I mean, I just from what I've heard uh, so far in camp, Bless is getting toast. Even though there've been some good throws by, by, by Wilson, but you know this, you know. But I, I think it's it's nice though, because you can at least, you know, we all said this that the rookies and, and the younger guys are going to get snaps. But it's also nice because when you, they must really believe in that the 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 draft class, the the young guys that they brought in. But beyond that, you can see that they brought in a bunch of different body types too. Pinnock and, and Carter are not the same body type. Pinnock is a bigger guy. Carter's a smaller guy, right? So you can kind of at least see that they are going to be getting snaps and they're going to be getting plenty of them at different roles because I think we all agree that Carter would probably be getting more of the nickel. And Pinnock is, is a bigger outside man-to-man corner if, you know, assuming that that he pans out. So it's nice to see that they all have a different – you know, they have different body types and, and you can see a defined role and they're going to give them a chance. Ultimately, I think we bring in a, a veteran cornerback who that is remains to be seen, but I, I think they're waiting it out, but you know, it's, it's, we're only three, four practices into OTAs. So not, I guess maybe not too much to read into, but I mean, we, I guess that's a good segue into uh, just talking about OTAs, right? Is, is that what we're going to be going for now? 
Yeah. So um we got OTAs. I think this is what the fourth or fifth day, I believe. Um so far they've only had two that was open to to the media. I don't think there was any interviews, any you know, things like that allowed, but just they allowed the media to to uh check it out. And um thus far, man, I I, I really have to say that I, I do like what what Zach is showing. And, you know, I'm not one of those types that put a lot into, you know, these types of OTAs and things like that. Um, but like Amari said, uh, he's getting toasted out there on the corner. Bless is getting toasted. But uh, Zach is also making some nice throws. Like he's, he's showing his accuracy. He's showing his touch. Um, you know, he's showing – you know, like a pitcher, man. He, he's showing, you know, his ability to throw fastballs. He's showing his ability to throw change-ups. Like, he's, you know, he's showing his skill set, um, which is something we all should want to see, you know, this early into, you know, camp or whatever. Um, I wouldn't want him to go in there just absolutely lost. And, 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 you know, I would be worried. Not a whole lot, but worried nonetheless. Um, but from what I've, I've seen and read so far, I, I think this kid will be okay. Yeah, I, I think one thing to also highlight is it's been as as normal, I guess we can put it as normal of an OTA as it as it's ever been for us. Because normally there's there's usually something some, some Jamal Adams what last year, you know it, it's it's always something someone with a contract dispute, someone with with something going on. So it's nice and normal and quiet and and everything I've read for the most part outside of the 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 bless Austin stuff is that. Wilson's looking good, and, and this is kind of sad, but I guess I'll, I'll read it out for everyone. Is Someone's been keeping track of the OTA stats. I don't know if they have binoculars in the bushes or, or whatever, but Wilson only threw about 60 balls this uh, in, in the three, four camps. About 75% of them completed six touchdowns. He had three consecutive touchdowns in the seven versus seven drills at the 10-yard line. And from everything I read, he's fit, he's not – you know, scared to take a shot, try to fit it into a small window. So I think, you know, if there's anything we can read out of this, obviously there's not too much we can, but, but Wilson looks every bit of, of what we are hoping that he will be at the next level. And, and you just kind of hope to continue to read this stuff and see that he's, he's progressing and doing well in the offense. Cause you know, they, they gave uh Salah had a couple of interviews with, with the media. And I know Zach Wilson had one. He said, listen, it's the, the playbook's tough. It is the, you know, you can't pick it up and, and know it the next day, but he's been, been working his ass off and, and that's all you can ask from him, you know? And then it's hopefully it, it pays dividends for all of us as fans. I think the best thing, the, the number one thing that you want to see from your rookie QB is that he doesn't look overmatched, which can happen at a lot of times. You think about somebody, you think about Christian Hackenberg, you think about Bryce Petty, you think about Sam Darnold, even Sam Darnold being the number three overall pick, the practices weren't clean. You could clearly see that there were things that Sam needed to work on. So hearing that Zach throws, you know, a pretty, uh, a really good deep ball. He knows when to put some more spin on the ball. He knows when to take a little bit off. He's asked, he's going to, to Matt LaFleur with, um, with, with, with more questions. He wants more of the playbook. And I know that this is a phrase that everybody's going to keep throwing around. It's going to be a, it's definitely going to be one of those key phrases in, in New York media, his mental horsepower. So 
So like everybody keeps talking about that now too. So I think that I think that it's pretty cool that that the kid doesn't seem overmatched. You hear him speak, he's you know, he he already feels at home. I love that the Jets, I love that the Jets are definitely taking a different approach with this. This feels different. This feels like you're bringing a young kid into a into a um into a situation and you're going to nurture him. You're not just going to let him go out there like hey, go go figure it out. So so I do love it. It seems like he's already it seems like he's already in tune with the offense and he knows, he doesn't know all the verbiage, but uh, he knows the principles. He knows what, what you're trying to do with most of the calls. So that's really good as well, too. I think that the, I think that the Jets have finally done a good job with matching a system, matching a coaching staff with a, Q, with a, with a quarterback. So I, I absolutely love it. And j- just, to, just from everything that I've heard, guys, there's no way that Joe Douglas wanted Adam Gates to be his coach. Like, I know that he got the interview because of Gates. They were tight and all that. Looking at the – you look at these first two drafts, completely different. Completely different. Like, they, they, they've they got six rounders in there that are getting run. Like, I, I don't – I think that Joe Douglas drafted to – I think Joe Douglas drafted exactly what this coaching staff wanted. Because also, like, while Wilson has been looking great, Elijah Moore has been factored into a lot of plays. Uh, Connor Rogers, who's been doing a great job with the athletic, he's whenever uh, there's media availability, he said the first play that that they ran from scrimmage uh, in the first OTA when that, when everyone reported was to Elijah Moore. So they brought him in motion because you're not you're not allowed to really report what the teams are doing just because the other teams are scouting and all that. But yeah, basically he said he he they brought him in motion and they probably ran the jet sweep to him because he said it was basically something that the 49ers do with Debo Samuel. So I love that Elijah Moore is getting a lot of attention and he's going to be a focal point and all that. So yeah. Well, what else uh, did, what else did you guys uh, hear about that, uh, that, that excited you about practice? Well, you, you touched on it. It was the, the more news, like, um, you know, I read some things about the, the work that they were doing in the red zone um, and, and, you know, how he was hitting more and, and the things that, that more was doing once he got the ball in his hand. Like I, I really love hearing that man. Like, to know that he has a a a solid you know weapon at his disposal, who's young, who's fast, who who's agile, who can you know really get after it, makes me feel good, man. Because you know one of the things you've always talked about since I've been knowing you, man, is how this team has been bereft of talent through and through, and it. It feels different now. Like, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, folks. I'm not saying that this this team is loaded or stacked or whatever. But there's a difference between being loaded and stacked and being solid, and being just trash. And they they've moved away from being trash to, you know, having a very solid foundation, adding solid pieces to that foundation, and and becoming a solid team from top to bottom. And, and, you know, for a new regime, that's that's really all we as fans can ask for. You know, the big names, the stars, they'll they'll come once the wins come. But in order to win, you have to start somewhere. And I think they've started right. And Moore is one of those pieces that I do like, that I love, and I think will be a, a flat-out baller, man. Um, I like hearing him. I like hearing about Michael Carter. Uh, you know, he's running with the ones. He's catching, you know, passes he's doing his thing he's scoring touchdowns and OTA so real solid man like this this draft class has been absolutely solid so so far so 
I'm real excited about that. Yeah, and, and I think you guys touched on it. Elijah Moore is someone who's going to excite all of us because I, I think one thing that got lost with Adam Gase that, that we can now definitively say is that these guys are going to have defined roles. They're actually going to have defined roles in the offense. Like like last year, we weren't sure who was the the, the the one running back. One second it was Frank Gore, the next second we were running by committee. You didn't, you didn't know. I think these guys are going to have defined roles. I think Elijah Moore is going to have specific defined plays for him. Like you said, the jet sweeps, the, the, the screens, the, you know, bubble screens, whatever you want, whatever you want to, you want to call it. But I just think, you know, you just, you just touched on it, Tyrus, is that it's nice to see that these guys are, are, are and again, it's early and it's OTAs and, and it's not live, you know, contact practice or anything like that, but, but, there's only nice things coming out from practice for the most part. They're talking about the rookies. They're talking about how they look. And and bear in mind, the rookies aren't going against other rookies now. It's, it's rookies versus some vets. There was a lot of showing at, at Jets practice. I think there was over 80 players or something like that that ended up showing. So it's they're going against guys that have played live ball in the NFL. So it's it's nice to read what we're reading. And, and another guy that I'm actually looking at now that um, Eric Allen has been talking about, the Jets reporter uh, specifically, is uh, Keelan Cole, another wide receiver. And, and who would have thought this time last year that we'd have, you know, I, I, I dare say it, right, five wide receivers that we can look at and be like, okay, like they all can be on the field at some point in time and get, get reps. Keelan Cole's apparently been flagged. According to Eric Allen, he, he, he quoted as, as Keelan Cole was flashing early. He was, he was catching a nice ball that was dropped in from, from Zach Wilson in tight man-to-man coverage. He's been running crisp routes, you know, getting good separation against the corners and, and – even Rich Semini of ESPN was saying that Cole's having big day after big day. And obviously Denzel Mims hasn't really seen the field, you know, for whatever one reason or another, but listen, man, if, if we can somehow have five deep and, and even carve out, you know, a role for Berrios, if that even is in, you know, weird packages or whatever, listen, man, I, I, this time last year, none of us would have been saying that that we were five deep, let alone six deep at wide receiver. So it's it's nice to see that our skill position guys are 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 taking advantage of the reps that they're getting, and the quarterbacks getting on the ball. We've come a long way from Greg Solis and 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 the Clyde Gates and Stephen Hills of the world. Long way. Now let me ask you guys a question. Now is Keelan Cole flashing just because our corners are sorry, or is it because he's he's really good? Because I, the reason that the reason that he's actually you know he's he's carving these guys up is be is because Corey Davis. The reason that he's probably getting all these snaps is because Corey Davis is barely played and Denzel Mims is barely played too. So now again. Now, is that anything that you guys are going to be worried about? Because why, like, everybody should be healthy right now. This is the time of the year when everyone is in the best shape of their life. So the fact that your franchise left tackle, your number two receiver, your new starting wide receiver aren't on the field, is that is that an issue? All guys who have durability issues. Um, For me right now, I'm going to say no because it's so early. Um, I, I and Honestly, I, I think – and this is just, you know, uh, just me. Um, I think that is is a preventative thing right now. Like it's it's voluntary, so I don't think they're really pushing. You know, especially Davis, who who they spent you know the most money on, um, or the 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 franchise left tackle, or Denzel Mims. Like I don't think they're pushing them right now. Um, now, once we get to actual camp, if we're still seeing these things, then yeah, I, I would be worried. But but right now, I'm uh, I'm just taking it all, you know, with a grain of salt. 
Yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried. And, and to kind of answer your question about if Keelan Cole or, or some of these guys are flashing because of who they're going against. Listen, all these guys are going against the same guys and some guys are shown and some guys aren't. Keelan Cole's a veteran, right? 55 receptions last year. He's he's always put up some sort of numbers, even with shoddy or crappy QB play down in Jacksonville. So listen, man, uh, I understand that obviously the, the blessed specifically, I want to say, because I, I haven't read too much on the other guys in camp, but I, I you know, it, it is what it is. You can only go against the person they put you know, opposite you. And if Keelan Cole's taking advantage of those reps that he's getting because the other guys, they're, they're taking preventative me- measures to not get injured or whatever, I'm all for it. Keelan Cole has looked good thus far. Um, I'm excited for that. And, and, and honestly, as far, you know, the, the broader question of am I worried in general, um, I don't think there's a cause for concern yet. Like, like Tyra said later on when we're in like, you know, mandatory training camp and stuff like that, if we're seeing guys, you know, Denzel Mims riding the bike every day, you know, before even, you know, getting going or anything like that, then I would, I would have cause for concern, but I think we're only in practice three or four right now. So, I think that for right now we we can calm the break so to speak, and uh, and yeah we'll, we'll we'll take it in stride as we get closer to you know you know deeper into the summer and closer to, to preseason. If these problems continue to persist, it, it's going to be problematic. But you know for right now I'll I'll temper my uh, my judgment. Yeah, it's going to be super problematic because the only you know quote unquote interception that Zach Wilson has thrown is because Vincent Smith uh, it went through his hands. I was just about to bring that up. And you start getting, I'm telling you, man, you start getting into this. Like we've all seen how quickly injuries can derail and small, stupid injuries like hamstrings and shoulder strains and high ankle sprains. And next thing you know, Zach Wilson is throwing to Vincent Smith and you're bringing in Chris Hogan off the crap, off the scrap heap. So my whole, my whole thing is like these, like I want these guys to play and cause timing is everything. Especially on the West Coast offense, timing is everything. All those quick hitters, timing has to be everything. No, no two receivers run the same route, um, the same. I don't know. I feel like I, I said that wrong. No, that's so <laughs> yeah, no two people can run the same route route right, the same. So Denzel Mims may break at eight on a slant, and Corey Davis may break at six. The difference between two yards can be an interception, and if you don't have those reps. Yeah, repetition to know, like, hey, listen, I know that, uh, you know, Mims is going to break out this way, or I know that 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 Corey's going to do this. Like, that that's really going to be important. So I, I think that that's something that I, I – I think that's a cause for concern. You guys know I've been – I love Beckton, but I've been talking about that from the beginning. I just – I don't know, man. Unless, unless there's an injury, unless you're not in shape, I just think that right now, especially with everybody there, the only person that, that shouldn't be there is, um, is Marcus May. That's just because he has a bunch of money on the line. Right. Everyone else should be there, especially the second year players. And Corey Davis should do And Corey Davis, he actually has a shoulder strain. I know that you don't want to push it, but Corey Davis has missed time. That was the knock on Corey Davis when we were when we were talking about free agents. That's why I didn't want Corey Davis. So I like I think that, you know, like this is a hopefully Beckton comes in the camp shade, so this is not a thing, but it's going to be a thing. The dude missed so many plays last year just from physically being tired. And now we're already, we're already here, you know, hearing rumblings. So, well, you got drafted. You said that your weight was under control, and now it doesn't seem like it's under control. Like this was supposed to be the year where where we figured out, like, all right, listen, like now now he's going to put himself on a Hall of Fame path. But like I said, maybe maybe I'm just you know the sky is falling right now. But I think that that that's something that we need to keep an eye on. Well, yeah, you know, 
I think like the the deal with the injuries and, and whatnot last year, man, I think a lot of that had to do with such short time, you know, uh, to be in camp and with COVID being what it was last year and things like that. So I, I, right now I'm hoping against hope that that was the case, you know, um, but I, I do think it'll be better this year. And I do like that they went and hired a better training staff and hired that, you know, that, um, that doctor and whatnot to, to address these types of issues. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that Becton does live up to the talk of his weight being, you know, under control. I'm, I'm hoping that the Jets are addressing it, you know, through whatever means available, whether it's a, a nutritionist form, a chef form or whatever, um, to make sure that it's under control. Uh, but Sala did, you know, bring it up and, and talked about his weight a little bit. So, they are aware of it, and I think they will handle it accordingly. So, for right now, I, I'm I'm chill. Yeah, I, I agree, hundred percent. Right now, right now, I'm just gonna chill out. I think Beckton will get it under control. Obviously, injuries are are in a lot of cases unpredictable, but in in you know weight cases, especially one like Beckton's, where you're that big of a guy and weight is potentially a concern, it can be something that comes up quite often and be expected. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's a wait and see thing. We'll see see how he comes to camp, you know, actually mand- mandatory training camp, and and we'll go from there. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to jump the gun too uh, too quick. I, I know that we kind of, as Jets fans, have a tendency sometimes to be more pessimistic than op- optimistic because of this struggle of the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. But for right now, I'll stay reserved and, and you know, we'll, 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 we'll take it in time. All right, so after this week, OTAs are going to finish up. What is like the most? What are some of the most storylines that you're looking forward to heading into camp? Well, one, and and I, I brought this up, you know, before we we started going through the episode, was that uh, Kirsten Blair, I believe that's who it was, of uh, Sports Illustrated, talked about the Jets possibly having the steal of the draft with Nazrul Dean. Um, and that's one, that's, that's one person that I, I in particular really want to keep my eye on, you know, in camps and, and, and all of that, because I, I do think that we got to steal. I, I do think if he comes back healthy, he will play much higher than his draft status. Like at one point he was considered a first round pick. So to get him where we got him, um, strictly because of injury, is it, huge. So if he comes back healthy, I'm very interested in seeing what they do with him and how they play him. Like, very interested in it. Yeah, I, I think I like him more than Sherwood. Um, I think that he could be the – I think he could definitely be – if Blake Cashman doesn't – if Blake Cashman gets hurt, which we – you know, I mean – death taxes and cash from getting hurt. It's a given. uh, Yeah, it's a given. I think that uh, Nazarene is definitely going to be the starting will. That's if Cashman gets hurt. But I also think that Cashman, like his movement skills, his his coverage skills, um, his speed, I think that this, the the will linebacker position is going to be geared for him. But yeah, I I, I love that. I love that narrative. um, I'm going to be looking forward to see how much how much of the workload Michael Carter, the running back, gets? 
And I think that we're going to see, I think that there's going to be, a, there's going to be two to three rookie starters in the defensive backfield. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. The Michael Carter thing is, is was pretty much mine too. I'm, I'm curious to see how much workload they give him. Cause, cause he is, I would say equally as good in the run game as he is catching the ball out of the backfield. He was one of the top, you know, receivers in the backfield in college, even working in tandem with Javante at, at UNC. So it's going to it's gonna be nice to see how they utilize the running back in the passing game just as much as how they're going to utilize the running back in the zone running scheme that they're, they're going to be going with. Um, another thing is is who's going to play opposite Marcus May? I know we talked about this in the pre-production. Who's going to play, you know, opposite Marcus May? Does Marcus May's deal get done? Does he hold out? These are all things that, that, that we got to worry about. And I know – I, I think it was two weeks ago. They said that getting Marcus Mason is, is priority right now. It's priority number one. They said they were going to address it after the draft in the offseason. Well, here we are. You got to you gotta put your money where, where your mouth is. You got to sign him. And then it really is going to come down to, to who's going to play opposite him. Is Ashton Davis going to stay healthy? Is it, We already said he could see a, see a role as, you know, in the nickel along with Michael Carter. So is he going to be playing nickel corner? Or is he going to be, you know, moving around, moving around like a, you know, a jack of all trades and playing opposite Marcus May? So I'm really curious as to it, maybe they bring someone in who gets is a cap casualty. Well, you know, we, we don't we don't know. And, and I really your guess is as good as mine. Who's going to play opposite Marcus May at uh, at safety this year, if we're being honest. I mean, we still got LaMarcus Joyner, you know, yeah. in the mix as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. I think uh, Joyner's best position is going to be that high safety. So I think that I, I really think both Michael Carters are going to are going to get significant amount of playing time. But I think that LaMarcus Joyner, I think that he's just going to be that high safety. And I think you're going to, like, employ Ashton Davis at, at a few things. And I actually saw, like, him coming out of college. I think that some scouts actually felt that he could play corner. And mm-hmm. you guys know Davis is six foot, almost like 205. So and he does have really good coverage skills. So maybe he's, he's the he's – the, um, He's the cornerback number two, so I can see that too. But I really hope that Marcus May doesn't like this team doesn't need any distractions. You don't want your rookie head coach answering questions about why his best, you know, arguably his, you know, his best or second best defender isn't at camp and stuff like that. Let's just get it done. There's enough cap space. Marcus May has been a really good soldier, and you know, let's you know, just just take care of him. Just take care of him. Exactly. Like take care of him. He proved that he can play an entire season. Take care of him. And uh, also, Bleacher Report, they did a um, – Top 10. Yeah, yeah, they did a top yeah, 10. That's, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, Marcus May was uh, ranked in the top 10, which which I believe. You, what was he, like, seven? He was six. six and he okay. was 10? Our boy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm just – you know, I, I listen, I said this during the rookie. I thought that Jamal Adams – I thought that he was outplayed by Marcus May. Like I, I, I will say you did. Marcus May, I, I, I love his game. He, he's and I'm glad that he uh, got the you know the recognition that he deserved last year. So now it's time for the Jets to uh, you know to show him some love. What what's crazy is you actually said this before they even played a game. Yeah, he did. You you actually said that you know you liked Adams for what he does, but you also believe that Marcus May was the actual better safety. Yeah, and I mean you know the proof is in the pudding, man. Yeah, yeah. When you're when you're looking at what you ask safeties to do, Marcus May he can run, he can hit, he can cover deep third, and he can cover man. Yes, he will get exposed by big tight ends, but I mean, when you're covering, you know, when you you know, like these guys aren't easy covers. Like Darren Waller is a tough cover. The dude is basically a six six wide receiver. 
So, yeah. you know, if he can cover 80% of the tight ends in this league, but when you start getting into those unicorns, the Kittles, the Kelseys, nobody's really guarding him one-on-one. I think, I think Kyle he does. So safety, I mean, tight ends are going to start looking like Kyle Pitts now. So it's going to be rough. I think he does everything exceptionally well. I don't think he's bad at anything. And I think that's what you need. I think Jamal Adams got exposed in coverage. Like, he is bad in coverage. Marcus May is not bad in coverage, and I think that's the misconception a lot of fans have. Like you said, when you're going against the Darren Wallers, the Kelseys, the Kittles, the Pitts, and, you know, I I, I wouldn't put Hunter Henry or the guys in our division that we're going to see twice a year. I wouldn't put them in that category. I think there's there's yeah, levels yeah. to this. Yeah, but there's no, I think he can cover those guys. I think he can cover Hunter Henry or Jonu Smith or Gusecki. He's done it before. So I, and I don't think the two guys up in New England are, are much better than Gasecki is down down in, in uh, Miami. So I, I think Marcus May is good at everything. I think his the biggest thing with him, and, and you know, to your credit again, you said that he was better than Jamal before they played it down. But I, I think the one thing with him is the health. It was it was health. But then I think we also already said that like he had what that one one year one freak year, but he's been on the field, you know, plenty well, of time. And the I, proof is in the pudding. Pay this yeah. man. Like, the, I, you know, people talk about his coverage, but the biggest misconception about May is, is his health. Like, I honestly just don't see where people get that from. He got injured. He got injured twice in the same season. Yeah. Right. The thumb and the shoulder. He came back and he injured his, like, I think it was the shoulder first. He came back in and he injured his thumb. That's right. the same season. But, but like it, he he missed those with ten games, I believe, that season. But yeah. like he played every game his first year. He 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 missed those games. Then he's played every game since then. Not only that, like he was actually leading the team in snap count, or was second behind Jamal Adams every year that he he wasn't hurt. So, like. That is a huge misconception about him being injury prone or or whatever. Like he, he may have missed games in college, but that didn't translate to just, you know, constantly being nicked and bruised and hurt and missing plays and, and missing time in the NFL. It it just didn't. And listen, not for nothing, when the when everybody thought the Jets were tanking, Marcus May was still playing his ass off. Marcus May is the reason that they won that Rams game. And Marcus May is the reason that they that they didn't go 0 and 16. Because he could have easily mailed it in. It was like, listen, I'm playing for my next team or I'm playing for another contract. Marcus May was still playing. Right. And Marcus May is a vocal leader. He leads, like, he doesn't really speak up much, but he's a lead by example guy. If you need somebody to look at, there's not too many people that you could look at on this team and you say, all right, that guy, like, that's who we want our guys to be like. Like, if, you, if you're a rookie, if you're a rookie, how many guys on this team that you're actually looking at to follow? Yeah. Like, I'm like, no, y'all can answer. Like, like if, if we were if we were in the front office and we were like, all right, this is who this this is how we play football. This is what we want our rookies to to be like. This is who they they should want to be like. Who are you gonna say? I would say Marcus May. Yeah, Q is yeah. too young. Yeah, it, I, like you look at like I think he's probably the most tenured Jet, or maybe or maybe it's Nathan Shepard. But like like who's the most tenured Jet? There's nobody that you can look at and be like, all right, yeah, follow that guy because this guy shows up all the time. He does exactly what we're supposed to do. Oh, and he's a arguably a Pro Bowl player. You have to take care of guys like that. Yeah, I agree. And how do you send a message to your team other than taking care of them? How do you show them that, hey, you play hard for us, we're going to reward you with a contract? The only way to do that is taking care of your own, taking care of the guy that obviously was overshadowed, quote-unquote, by Jamal Adams, but but at the end of the day is the better player than, than him. So you take care of your guy, you, you put your money where your mouth is, 
You've been saying it for, for since the end of the season that he's priority numero uno. So you take care of him. And, and like we, I think we said, you know, in an, uh, I don't know, months ago, is that we, you could have taken care of him last year, right? You, you, you could have, and you could have got him for a little bit less before he went out and just put up an insanely good season. You could have so got Marcus, a little, what's that? You could have probably got Marcus May for $9 million a year. Yeah. You could have probably got him for nine, four for 36. Now yeah. you're probably, yeah, now you're probably looking at four for 48. Yeah, and, and listen, he's worth every penny of it, and this is where the quarterback being on a rookie contract also comes in handy because you can afford to extend Marcus May for, for four more years, and, and it, it won't hamper any ability to sign players next year because you're going to have roughly $70 million in cap space next year. So, you know, you, you take care of your guys. Show, show the young players that, you know, you're going to take care of your guys. Show the young players that if they come in here, they, they play hard, like, like Quinnen, right? Quinnen took that next step. If he continues to to get better and play hard and, and put everything on the field, he's going to get rewarded. And oh, yeah. It's, it's as simple as that. <laughs> They're going to have to back the brink truck up to him. Uh, based on what Aaron Donald's getting paid, if Quinnen continues on his trajectory, I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Donald, but he's going to be a top, I would say a top five interior off, uh, defense alignment. I think that's fair. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I would love to see that. And, and if that's the case, I, I hope they go ahead and pay him, just get it out the way, you know, and, and, and let's not, let's not, you know, waste time and pussyfoot around with it, man. Like you, you have guys who come in, like you guys said, do things the right way Out, outside of the, the, the gun thing, which was, you know, nothing malicious on his part, just ignorance of the law outside of that. He, He's he, he's quiet. He he doesn't do anything. You don't read headlines about him. You don't hear you know uh, rumors about him being a bad teammate. Things of that nature, man. So when you got that plus pre- premium production, you take care of him and, and you move on. And, and that's how you build, huh? You got married. I forgot to. Uh, forgot oh to- yeah, yeah, yeah. He did get mad. Congrats to him. So you know that that's that's how you build, man. And and. You know, you said it earlier, Mari. This this feels different, and it, you know it really does. Like this isn't the same old Jets, regardless of how some of you fans want to approach it and scream and holler and, and and do whatever. This is not the same old Jets. It is not from the top down to the field. It's different. Yeah, and they're either doing a really good job fooling us, or they really are. You know, a, a different team. Run. You know, run the way an organization should be top to bottom. It's nice to, it, and I said this earlier, is that it just feels like normal. And for the Jets, normal is a good thing. For There's a lot of teams out there that like to make, you know, the Raiders making, you know, waves and stuff like that. You hear stuff all the time. But, like, this feels very normal, and I am perfectly fine with it. I love not hearing anything. I love just being able to read positive articles, especially because they got rid of, you know, some people on the beat. So that's nice. But as long as I continue, as long as I continue to see nothing, I'm perfectly happy. Yeah. And I think that uh, the the, the finishing touch on changing the narrative around the league, like, yeah, you got the charismatic coach. Yes. You have the actual football person making football decisions you, you know, you hopefully got the quarterback. Now you have to start changing that narrative. Just, just kind of like just kind of like what the Knicks did. Now that narrative is changing. Now you got to start taking care of your players. Because you look at it, man, the Jets have traded a lot of their first-rounders, and a lot of their first-rounders aren't with the team. So I think that locking up May 
that's going to be, that's the final piece to sending the message. Like, Hey, listen, we're doing things differently. And this is how thing, this is how we're going to operate going forward. And if you come here, we're going to take care of you. We're going to put you in the right position to succeed. And then you're going to be compensated once you succeed. So. Right. And you know, you, you have the coach who, who talks about, you know, helping players get to that next level because he wants to see them get paid. So you have the coach who's saying that, then you have a GM who's in lockstep with paying them, then you will get the best of the best who want to come, you know, in the off seasons because they see, oh, they for real. I can help them win and get paid and, you know, and be valued by this organization. So again, man, it's 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 not the SOJ. And and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, all of this translate to to production wins and positivity uh, on the field. Yeah, and, and we said it. I think we said it last week. Is that if the Jets, you know, if they go seven and and whatever, seven and ten, I believe, or six and eleven, or or whatever it is. As long as there's that improvement and the players continue to play hard, we're not going to have a problem signing free agents. We're not going to be that team that has to, you know, needs the stark overpay to bring in premium free agents. I think we already saw it earlier on this this offseason, right, with players openly saying, hey, I came here because of the coach. I came here because of the culture, because of the, the leadership in this building. So I don't think as long as things, you know, go well this year, as well as they're going to go, I don't think we got much to worry about in ways of, you know, how we're going to allocate our resources next year. We got plenty of draft capital. We're not going to have to worry about that. We got plenty of money to spend and, and there's going to be some quality free agents next, you know, next year also. But I think the biggest thing for this year is we need to show improvement on the field. We need to show discipline on the field. We cannot be one of the highest penalized teams in the NFL. And, and, and we got to just make sure that we're playing hard week in and week out. And we look prepared. You got to, you know, sometimes you got to fake until you make it. Sometimes those short weeks that that Sunday and then the game on, on, on Thursday, those short weeks are tough, but you got to, you got to maintain your composure, keep the locker room tight. And that's why it's important to sign a guy like Marcus May, because he's a guy that all the young guys are going to go to, they're going to gravitate to. And even when you do go on a potential losing streak or you don't start off as well as you wanted to, they're going to go to that, go to him because he's been part of some rough, rough stretches with the team and you're going to want to, you want that guy to keep the peace in the locker room. You don't, you want everyone to feel comfortable and, and, you know, like they have a leader in the locker room. So I think it's, as long as we show improvement, as long as we we go out there and we play, play hard, I don't think next year we're going to have any problem bringing anyone in to uh, further improve this team. And we are in a, as good of a situation as I've seen for the Jets in, in quite a while, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think that, and also I think that this defense is definitely going to be a lot simpler. So you're going to see a lot less thinking and more reacting with this team too. And it already seems like the uh, the offense is going to be light years ahead of what what we've seen the last couple of years too. So I think the Jets are in a really good spot. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So one 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 last thing I wanted to ask y'all about before we we get out of here. I saw an article by the Jet Press, um, and it it talked about um, four, and maybe five, four or five players that the Jets could sign. You know who could make a difference. Um, the names that they had was KJ Wright, Quan Alexander, Darquez Denard, um, and I, I forget the other name, but it. If you're each one of you guys in the front office and you could just address one position and go get an available free agent, 
right now that you think would help this team, who would it be? I'll probably go with Sherman. Uh, I think uh, I think the cornerback position needs to be addressed one way or another. Obviously, you know, I'm not saying go out now and get Sherman, but I'm saying in a couple of weeks, mandatory training camp, stuff like that. He's I'm a, he's a professional, right? He's going to be – it's going to be tough for Jets fans to look at him in, in green and white if he, he did sign with us because of the whole Revis, you know, versus him thing for years to come or whatever. But I would sign Sherman in a heartbeat because not only does he bring, you know, talent on the field, he is a true number one corner, and it takes a little bit of pressure off the younger guys. But, you know, he's going to come in. He's going to be a leader. He's going to rally the guys. And he's going to go in there. And he's going to make other people better. He's not he, – he sometimes can come off a little bit arrogant. But that's because he's a smart dude. He went to Stanford. He's not stupid. He knows what he's worth. He's no, he, he knows how good he is. He knows, you know, everything about himself. So, if I had to choose one, I would say him. Second, I mean, Quan Alexander is a nice idea. I think he's coming off a couple of injury-plagued seasons. I think he had like a torn ACL like two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, when he signed that big deal with the Niners. Then he got traded or one or the other. But um, I think Quan Alexander would be interesting. But, you know, he would probably play what? Will linebacker, right? And, and I think we just drafted two guys that were looking to, to – two young guys on team-friendly, you know, obviously rookie deals that were looking to uh, – looking to – plug and play if, if we're being honest. And if Nasruddin is that steal that we we potentially think he is, and a lot of people seem to think he is, he should be your day one starter. Simple as that. Uh, the only guy that I'd probably be interested in bringing in is Steven Nelson. And that, yeah, that, that that's pretty much it for me. Unless like there's like a, a really good left tackle that gets cut or a guard that gets cut. That's, that, that's all I'm really looking at right now. Um, for me, it, it's not somebody who's available now. But if if I was front office, I'd be making a move for Nick Foles or a quality backup quarterback. Uh, Mike White and and James Morgan just not go cut it for me. So that would be you know my my move. I, I I'd even take Nick Mullins, like somebody who you know he understands the offense and and. He showed that he's he's capable of running it. Um, he he's had some great games and he's had some duds, but I would feel comfortable with him, you know, with Zach helping him along the process. So I would ad- definitely address the quarterback. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Nick Mullins would be the guy. I wouldn't bring in Nick Foles or anything because I do think that kind of brings a little bit of I don't know how to put it. Uh, Fanfare, I guess, is, is a safe safe word to use just because of everything Nick Foles has accomplished in the NFL and stuff like that. But I think Nick Mullins is an interesting one because of the connection to, to Sala and whatever. And, and I think one one fact that I, I, I think I might have said in, pre, in a previous podcast was that Mullins under Shanahan in that offense, I think, was the second most prolific passer in his first three seasons as far as like yards are concerned, passing yards are concerned, something to that effect. So like you bring in a guy like that, you have a guy that has been in the system has been productive in the system, has shown that he has, you know, NFL caliber talent and, and and he can jump in, God forbid anything happens to your franchise quarterback. So I think Nick Mullins is an interesting one, but I think we've all been saying all along is that you got to bring in a, uh, you got to bring in a veteran, veteran quarterback. So I, I think Nick Mullins would be, would be a perfect, perfect fit, not only because of, you know, familiarity, but because of, you know, who he is and, and, and what he's done. Yeah, I definitely agree. And to me, that that's that that's about it. I don't think that I think that if the Jets make the playoffs this year, if they make a push and they get a wild card, they're going to be ecstatic. But they know that that this team, this isn't the finished product, and this isn't, you know, 
like what they tried out there, they know that there's still a lot of work to be done. So I think that this is just going to be more about teaching and more about actually, you know, just getting guys in your program that, that, you know, that let's say that Pinnock, you know, he struggles this year, but ultimately he becomes like, you know, the, the number three, or when I say number three, not the nickel, like, like the third corner off the bench or something like that, the outside guy. I think you just start establishing like, like this, this is going to be like, you know, the middle part of your roster. And then, cause the Jets have a lot of premium picks next year. And I think you're going to bring it like all these holes that we're talking about now are probably going to be filled by the next, uh, next year's draft. Cause there's like what, six picks in the first hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Something crazy like that. So the Jets, uh, yeah. So I think that they, they know that, that this, that this team probably isn't ready, but they want, they definitely want to know what they have. They don't want any more question marks. Just look to the wide receiver position from last year to this year, right? Like we're saying like all these holes and stuff, they're going to be filled through free agency or draft next year. But the wide receiver position did a complete 180. Just just in one offseason, we were able to get Elijah Moore. We had Denzel's going to hopefully have a full season. We signed Corey Davis, signed Keelan Cole, and have Jameson Crowder on the roster. So you can easily, especially with six picks in the top 100, you can easily address, I would say, all the holes, right? And then, and then the free agency is just kind of the cherry on top, if we're being honest. So it's like, Listen, man, we, we have been harping on this since day one, is that this year is the, the – the, we needed to get the draft right, and I think we can all say we, we think we got the draft right for the most part. We got the free agency right for the most part. We got to take that step. And next year is, the, is kind of the gravy on top. We got to really plug those holes and then add more talent. You can never have too much talent on a roster. And that's what we got to do next year. But, you know, as far as this year is concerned, just look to the wide receiver wide receiver room and, and even, I guess, the running back room, right? Both those rooms vastly improved from from literally the end of season to, to off-season training. So plenty of, plenty of work to do for the players and stuff like that. But it, it, so far, I think we're on the right track and, and it does feel very different. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that, man. Um... You know, and now now we're just just wait and see, and 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 hope for the best. But you know, I've said it over and over again. The foundation has has been laid, and and they're looking like they're building on it the right way. So I'm I'm very excited and looking forward to it. Now, before we get out of here, any closing thoughts from either one of you guys? No. All right. Well. As always, fellas, you know, it's, it's been real. I, I've enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking to Jets football with y'all. And, you know, I look forward to this every week. So, folks, on behalf of myself, TK, on behalf of Mr. Omari Brown and Mr. Matthew Freeze, the entire Flight Deck podcast, we thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for the likes, shares, and follows. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Y'all have a good one.